Hello, and thank you for clicking on the Sean B. Show. It's Thursday, December 1st. The Christmas season officially arrives, unless you ask my wife, who's been celebrating since October 1st. Nah, more on that later. Listen, it is the 1st of December. It is Thursday. I am live in the Edge Construction Studio in Columbus, Indiana. Edge Construction, Masters of Dirt Work, Site Development, Construction Stuff. If you need anything done, look, Brian and his boys have you covered. Edge Construction, 812-343-3035. Good dudes down there at Edge Construction, okay? Give them a call. Tell them the Sean B. Show sent you. Okay, anything you need done, they can either do it or point you in the right direction. They're good dudes. They're fun to talk to. A lot of World Cup today, a lot of soccer, a lot of college sports. I did everything I could to not talk about the Indianapolis Cup. You're listening to The Sean B. Show on Second String Media. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into The Sean B. Show. It is I, Sean B., all by myself here in the studio today. The Edge Construction Studio, that is. And here in the comfort of home base to talk about things that happen in or outside of the comfort of home base. Thursday night footballs tonight. The World Cup obviously ongoing. Big weekend in football coming up. Lots of fun. Lots of good stuff to talk about. And uh, wanted to, uh, yeah, I'm just going to lead in with this. Robinson. Up for the captain, Tyler Adams. Austin McKay just making a big run. It's been for him. Jess is stuck in behind. Jess in the middle. Pull it Scores! Might have paid the price. But the U.S. takes the lead. I have long argued that <laughs> I have long argued that the most exciting play in all of sports, and I mean all of sports, is the goal in soccer. There's nothing in the world like the feeling when a goal is scored in soccer. Nothing cripples you more as an opposing fan or an opposing player, nothing lifts you up more as a fan of the team that just scored or a player for the team that just scored. There is nothing in the world like the goal in soccer. And that's why a lot of people get really excited around uh, World Cup time. And, of course, it's always nice uh, us here in America when the uh, U.S. men's national team qualifies for the round of 16, and that's exactly where they are in the round of 16, set to play in the Netherlands. Saturday morning, 10 o'clock a.m. That's like, that's like what, 7? Uh, no, no, not even 7 or 8 p.m. Uh, time in Doha over in Qatar where they are. USA, Netherlands, uh, small breakdown on that matchup. Okay, Netherlands is actually the favorite uh, betting odds at minus 104. USA is plus 310, and those are, of course, odds to win. They do have draw odds which the draw still in play from a betting standpoint, but there will be no draw. Somebody will win. Um, so I'm not sure, obviously, as a new soccer bettor, if they go to penalty kicks, does the draw bet still win? Now, I'm not real sure how that all works, but uh, probably just going to bet the handicap, bet the U.S. Uh, plus whatever they're going to be. Maybe it's a half a goal. Maybe it's a whole goal. USA, Netherlands, 10 a.m. Eastern, Saturday morning. Going to be a lot of fun. Of course, they're paired up with Argentina and Australia in that bracket. That's who 
the winner of USA Netherlands will play the winner of if they advance to the quarterfinal. Okay. Also, uh, down in the bracket a little bit, we got France and Poland have moved on. They play Sunday morning along with England and Senegal. And, of course, we knew that England and Senegal were going. We learned that uh, on Saturday. Or, no, sorry, on Tuesday. So, big, big, big stuff going on. Of course, there's still matches going on right now. Croatia and Belgium locked up nil-nil just after halftime. They just resumed play in Canada and Morocco. Or Morocco's up 2-1 to one at the half. So Canada, kind of a almost a heavy underdog in this one. So we'll see uh, what the Canadians can do. And, of course, Japan plays Spain today. And uh, Costa Rica plays Germany. So we move on in the standings there. Spain, of course, leading Group E. Uh, win will guarantee them a place in that final. Now Japan and Germany, let's see. If Spain takes a loss today, Japan plays Costa Rica. Germany does not have Spain in goal differential. So it looks like no matter what, Spain is going to move on. Um, unless, let's see here. Let's break down this uh, this group here. Because today, it's Japan, Spain, Costa Rica, Germany. So I guess it is possible for Japan and Costa Rica both to win, which would knock Spain out. Uh, Spain won, a, won against Germany in a match that was... Um, in a match that was highly noted to be a, a German favorite. I'm trying to navigate this website. It's not going so well. But I guess Japan and Costa Rica could both win today, which would knock Spain out. But Spain, uh, with a goal differential of seven, uh, safe from Germany, unless, of course, Spain loses, Germany wins, and then the Germans are... Uh, they win by, like, I think they'd have to win by eight goals would be uh, what would have to happen. Germany with a zero win, one draw, one loss. So, anyway, Group F also going on today, of course, Canada and Morocco playing right now. Croatia, Belgium to come later. Canada, uh, 0-2, minus four goal differential. They're... They're done. Yeah, they are done. They will be going home after this. Belgium, Morocco, Croatia, they can all still sneak in. Looks like Morocco could hold on to win, which would give them seven points, and then it would literally be between Croatia and Belgium at 2 o'clock today for who moves on and who does not. So that's an interesting little setup that we'll see more about later on this afternoon. That's World Cup soccer, though. I love it. I love it. I cannot wait until Saturday, 10 a.m., United States, Netherlands, Netherlands the favorite. Netherlands, uh, two wins, one draw, no losses. United States, one win, two draws, no losses. Interesting thing about the United States, they've got two goals for themselves, both in regular time. They've given away one goal. That was a penalty kick. So the United States has blanked all three opponents in regular time. The only goal they've given up was a penalty kick. Netherlands, five goals, four, one against, have a four-goal differential. The thing the U.S. needs to do, I think they're playing really good defense. They need to figure out some offense. I mean, you got a 1-1 draw, a 0-0 draw, and then a 1-0 win. 
you got to figure out some offense. Uh, Pulisic obviously can't give up his body. Good news is it looks like that guy's going to play Saturday. We didn't really know walking off the field. <laughs> for him to finish the first half was amazing. I don't know if you guys watched it, but for him to finish the first half of that game was amazing because that dude took a shot. And I think every man in the world that watched it had trouble watching it because we know what a shot to the pills like that feels like. Okay. We've got half of the we've got half of the uh the round of 16 set setting up the rest of it uh today and tomorrow and then Saturday knockout stages of the World Cup a 16 team bracket no more draws we will have winners from here on out USA playing Netherlands for a chance to come back Friday and play the winner of Argentina Australia Saturday is going to be exciting I hate that I have to work for most of these matches. For example, if the U.S. I, I work Saturday afternoon, I'll be watching that 10 a.m. match with USA and Netherlands at work. I work the following Friday afternoon. I'll be watching that at work. If they make it to the semifinal, I get to watch that at home. <laughs> it's a Tuesday afternoon. And God forbid the United States makes the World Cup final. It is on December 18th. Shout out JT Baker. That's your birthday. That is a Sunday morning, and I will be able to watch it yet again at home or a place of my choosing. So, exciting stuff, World Cup soccer, man. I don't know. Like I said, even if you're not a soccer fan, like Team USA, USA, they got a lot of guys on that team that are exciting to watch. It's going to be a great time seeing what they can do against the Netherlands on Saturday. If they can move on to the quarterfinal, get a date with probably Argentina, go from there. Go from there. What I know about this team is they play great defense. They are solid defensively. Zero goals allowed in real time. The only goal they've given up in the, in the uh, group stage was a penalty kick. So sky's the limit for Team USA. They got to come ready. You got to come ready, got to come correct. Of course, supporting the red, white, and blue Saturday morning, 10 a.m. on Fox. That uh, audio clip that I stole was Fox's call. Okay, I'm not sure if I can do that, but I know for a fact I'm not big enough to get in trouble for it. So that's what it is. Thursday night. It's Thursday night football. Okay? Thursday night football. Bills, Patriots, and what shouldn't have been a game of the magnitude that it is. It's a big game. The Bills need to get back their leg up on the Dolphins. The Bills are 8-3. and three. They've been struggling a little bit. They need to get that leg up back on the Dolphins. If they want to solidify themselves as the best team in this division, which I think they are, they need that leg back up on the Dolphins. You cannot let this division rivalry game. It's on the road. Look, it's a division game on the road. Against the Patriots team that has shown they're capable of winning, but has also shown that they're capable of a 59 minute 3 3 tie with the fucking Jets, who I still don't think are good. Mac Jones got his work cut out for him tonight. Bills Patriots in Foxborough. Josh Allen got to be ready to play. Okay. Josh Allen's got to be ready to play. 
He's the leading passer and rusher on that team. Of course, Stephon Diggs, his main guy, 1,110 yards, nine tuds this season. Diggs having a year. Diggs is having a year. Let's compare these two teams. Buffalo scores about seven, nah, 6.4 more points a game. They uh, honestly, New England, they, as far as from a points allowed standpoint, both of them about 18, a little over 18, just north of 18. Buffalo, 426 yards average to New England's 344 and uh, 345 to 329 in the yards allowed game. So Buffalo actually allows a few more yards in New England. Like I said, it everything points to, and uh, I don't want to say an easy Buffalo Bills win because it's going to be a motivated Patriots team. Like this isn't just going to be a pushover. Everybody wants to beat Buffalo, regardless of who's in first place in that division. They know it's Buffalo, and they know it's Josh Allen. Everybody wants to beat those guys. FPI match predictor says 73% the Buffalo Bills win this one. New England, 26%. The other little sliver, a tie. A tie. Just south of a percent. It's a tie. I got to make a bet tonight, and look, I... I got to be honest, I'm going to bet in the favor of Buffalo going off because we haven't seen it. We haven't seen it in so long. We need it. We need it. They barely escaped past the Lions. The Browns give them a game. The Vikings beat them. The Jets beat them. I don't want to say skated past the Packers. They beat them by 10, but we haven't seen a game in a long time where Buffalo just dominated the ball for 60 minutes like they're capable of doing. The last time we saw that was against Pittsburgh on October 9th when they won 38-3. to This New England team, as I said, will be motivated, but the reality is like they're not very good. Like They've got the tutelage of Bill Belichick at the helm. That guy always gives you a slight sliver of an advantage. He's really good. Love him or hate him. Mac Jones, shaky, but a good quarterback. He's not Josh Allen. The thing with the Patriots that always surprises me is where their receiving core comes from, where these targets come from, whether it's running backs or receivers. Ramondre Stevenson was their leading receiver this year, 151 carries, 680 yards. That's not really a surprise because that guy makes waves. That guy makes splashes. But I had to look and see who their leading receiver was, Jacoby Myers. 571 yards, three tuds. That's their leading receiver. That's their number one guy. And it's not because their offense isn't, it's not overly productive, but it is productive. They're no Colts. But Jacoby Myers, their number one target, that's what always surprises me about these Patriots teams is who in the hell are some of these guys? Bill Belichick, very good at finding fits for every single player that's on his roster and using every single last thing he can find to claw out a win. That's what Bill Belichick does. He's real good at it. So Buffalo, New England tonight, 8.15 p.m. on Amazon Prime. The Bills are three-and-a-half-point favorites over under 43-and-a-half. Look, I, I got I to gotta bet. I got to bet for the, for the Bills to go off. I know it's on the road in Foxborough, okay? But it's going to be 43 degrees. And don't tell me the Buffalo Bills don't know anything about cold weather. 
They have had the dome in Detroit for the last couple of weeks, the, the, the enclosed stadium. But 43 degrees in Foxborough tonight. Buffalo's a three-and-a-half point favorite over under 43-and-a-half. Amazon should get their money's worth tonight. We've talked all year about how Amazon just was not getting good Thursday night football games. Should get their money's worth tonight, but I honestly think, and I've got I've to put my money where my mouth is, I got to go Buffalo to be studs tonight. I got to go Buffalo to return to dominant form tonight because as motivated as the Patriots are, the Buffalo Bills have to be doubly motivated. This is a team that believes this was their year to win the Super Bowl. They believe that. And as it stands right now, to me, it looks all Kansas City. Despite Kansas City losing to Buffalo earlier in the year. To me, it looks all Kansas City. So, chip on your shoulder. You got to move yourself back into the position of favorites. Buffalo Bills, I got to take them huge tonight. Okay? I expect that blowout. I don't want to say blowout because it's prime time. It's it's the Patriots. It's the Bills. It's the division game. Buffalo's on the road. I still, I like Buffalo big tonight. So that's where you're betting. Bet with me. Buffalo minus three and a half over 43 and a half. I like it. I like it all. I like it all. And of course, when we dive into those same game parlays, when we dive into those prop bet parlays, we're going to kind of scroll through here. This is my favorite kind of bet to make. And I don't know if you guys ever do this. I love making same game parlay bets. I love putting a little bit of money on some guys to perform. I don't ever bet unders. I think everybody knows I've said that enough times now. But if you look down through some of these props, uh, Josh Allen is Josh Allen's only over one and a half touchdown passes tonight. That's a low number for Josh. It's usually two and a half. So there's a great prop to me. Josh Allen over 268.5 passing yards tonight. <laughs> Again, if I'm putting my money where my mouth is, Josh Allen, one and a half touchdown passes, 268 and a half yards. That's easy money. That's easy money if what's in my head is what comes to fruition. Now, of course, we've watched football all year. We've watched football for many years. We know that we can talk about or say or look like whatever we want to look like or talk about or say. At the end of the day, it comes down to what happens on the field. Then it always what we talk about. I know that for a fact. I know that for a fact. Josh Allen, over seven and a half rushing attempts. And that's plus 100 on that prop. That guy runs all the time. I got to see this real quick. That, that sounds like a low number. Seven and a half rushing attempts. Let's look at his last five games. Let's look at his last five games. 10, 3, 6, 9, 6. That's about the right number to bet. That's about the right number to bet. I think I stay away from that one tonight. Seven and a half on the surface seemed really low. What are his rushing yards when you talk about player props? Let's see here. Rushing yards. Uh, Josh Allen, 42 and a half. So we've got the last five games, 78, 7, 84, 86, 49. That seems like a good number to bet. The Cleveland game, three carries for seven yards. That throws a whole loop in the last five theory. The other four of those last five games, he's been running the shit out of the ball. 42 and a half. That might be one to look at. 
that might be one to look at. One thing about Stephon Diggs is his receiving yards are always pretty high, 81 and a half, but he always hits them. Like I said, that's an 1,100-yard guy. So we go and look at Stephon Diggs' last five games, 77, 48, 128, 93, 108. So the last two games, he hadn't gone over that number, but he has scored a touchdown in each of those games. So do we look at is Stephon Diggs due? Or do we look at this is the Buffalo offense migrating to spread the ball out more to some guys like, I don't know, not Dawson Knox, because that's where my money was last week. But uh, Gabriel Davis, always, uh, you know, that guy made his name in the four touchdown championship game. Or it wasn't even a championship game. It was a divisional round game. Four touchdown game. That guy makes his name. I'll never forget that game because Gabe Davis caught four touchdown passes and I was a Stephon Diggs touchdown catch away from winning a massive bet that night. Away. All I needed was one Stephon Diggs touchdown catch. That's all I needed. I'll never forget that night. It'll scar me for life. I like to bet the kickers on total made extra points. Uh, Tyler Bass is over two and a half. I got to feel like that's an easy number. I got to feel like Buffalo is going to score three or four touchdowns tonight. Again, like I said, this is where my head is with, with regard to this game. I'm seeing Buffalo big. I could be way wrong. Honestly, like it feels like everything I say goes the opposite way. So I might be helping Belichick and the Patriots out. I'm not real sure. But the way I see this game tonight, Amazon getting their money's worth. Uh, Buffalo. New England should be a good one. I like Buffalo big, though. I like Buffalo big. Amazon Prime, 8.15 p.m. Eastern, Thursday night, December 1st. It's December already. I didn't even talk about that. It's December already. I don't even know what to do with that. Like, it's just like the year kept coming and kept coming and kept coming, and then boom, it's almost over. Get your advent calendars out. We are 24 days away from Christmas. Get them out. While I don't think Die Hard is a Christmas movie, I will say the advent calendar of Hans Gruber falling from Nakatomi Plaza for 25 straight fucking days is a really cool advent calendar. A buddy of mine bought that one online uh, from one of those sketch online sites you see on Facebook. Took him three weeks, but he got it. He got it. Hans Gruber has started his descent from the top of Nakatomi Plaza. A Nakatomi Tower or whatever the fuck it is. Seen Die Hard one time. I got real depressed the other day. We'll talk about this more on Mind Snacks. But I went to the Art Craft Theater last Friday night. And I watched the movie Elf. Shown on the big screen at the Art Craft in Franklin. They do a very cool production there. If you're around Franklin, Indiana ever, pretty much all of December, they're showing Christmas movies at the historic Art Craft Theater. That guy's 100-plus years old now, the Art Craft. It's an amazing place. They put on a great show there. And then, of course, they show the movie on the big screen. Very, very cool. But we went up there to watch Elf, and I'm walking up to the theater, and on the window, I see a movie flyer that absolutely went through me. Because the Art Craft Theater 
one of the purest places I know of is showing fucking Die Hard tonight, December 1st. Thursday, December 1st, Die Hard at the Art Craft Theater as part of their Christmas series. Now, this upsets me quite a bit because I have been long on the stance that Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. I think it's, and I'm going to explain even more information that I found out here in just a second, but up until this point, I have debated that Die Hard's not a Christmas movie. The movie's not about Christmas. I don't care if it's set at Christmas. Lots of movies are set at Christmas. But I found out, and I talked to the guy outside the theater, the guy that was doing the door at the theater. Walked outside to have a cig before Elf started. Fucking Will Ferrell, man. That guy is a legend, by the way. But I walk outside, have a cig. And I'm talking to this guy, and I said, you know, i got to be honest. I'm kind of disappointed that you guys are showing Die Hard as a Christmas movie. He says to me, it doesn't matter when we show Die Hard. We'll make a bunch of money. I said, but you had to show it at Christmas, right? He was like, yeah. I was like, you know it's not a Christmas movie, right? He was like, oh, hard no. I was like, so you agree? He goes, well, I'm indifferent. I'm like, that's not what you said. You said hard no. He just kind of smiled. And I'm like, yeah, okay. And then he continued to educate me on Die Hard and how it even became a fucking Christmas movie in 2018. Got a little history lesson. Die Hard was released in June of 1988. For Die Hard's 30th anniversary, Warner Brothers, in 2018, for the first time, for the first time, Warner Brothers included Die Hard in its Christmas catalog. 2018 is the first time Warner Brothers even began to recognize it as a Christmas movie. Why do you think that was? I'm assuming to make a little bit of profit around the holidays. That's the kind of capitalist pigs we are. Ruin a sacred holiday, make a little bit of money. All right? Nothing about Die Hard, with the exception of the night that it's set on, the place that it's set, is a Christmas movie. yippee Kaye, motherfuckers. Nothing about it. That was a tangent. Probably not necessary. I'll tell you what was necessary, though. Last night, Indiana men's basketball, whatever. Armando Baycott returns to the lineup for North Carolina. Armando Baycott has a double-double, 12 points, 10 boards. But you know what? That That old number 10 team in the country, that old home team out of Bloomington, that old team with Trace Jackson Davis had a double-double of his own, 21 10 Old X Johnson of the backcourt, 20, four dimes, eight boards of his own. Hushafino got involved. He had 12 points in the first half. Boys, let's go. Trey Galloway, 11 off the bench. Tamar Bates, a big three off the bench. Jordan Geronimo was big in this game. Malik Renault got a little bit of playing time. What I'm saying is, 
Oh, and how about Ray's Thompson? You won't see it in a stat sheet. That guy had a couple of great defensive plays. Indiana wins big, 12-point win, 77-65 over the North Carolina Tar Heels. And now we must look at, again, our ESPN, not ESPN, sorry, our, our, our college football AP top 25. We've got to look at this, right? Because it almost feels like Hoosiers might be on the way up. Got a big win against North Carolina. Look, North Carolina did drop to 18, but they didn't have Armando Baycott. They didn't have their big, big for both those games they lost, Iowa State and, uh, and Alabama in four overtimes. They didn't have Armando Baycott for those games. They weren't full strength. This is a good basketball team. And I'm not just saying that because the Hoosiers beat them last night. I don't want to, I'm not trying to add glory to the win. I'm saying North Carolina's lost three in a row, currently ranked 18th. I don't know what they got going on this week, but if they don't get it together, they're going to drop out of 25 altogether. All they got Virginia Tech Sunday. That, you, don't, you don't show out against Virginia Tech. You might drop out. They might drop out anyway. The question for the pollsters, and not that I care too much about rankings, it's just what to it's just what there is to talk about. But the pollsters over here have an Indiana at number 10. Indiana really not a great win up until this point. They did have the Xavier game they won that they were tested in. But Xavier's not a top 25 team. Indiana's got a really tough schedule coming up. They got Rutgers and Nebraska for the Big 10. Then it's Arizona, Kansas. That's going to be tough. That's going to be tough. They got Rutgers is coming Saturday, 4 p.m. in Piscataway. And then Nebraska comes to Bloomington Wednesday, December 7th, the Wednesday night matchup. Then they go, I believe this Arizona game is in Vegas, if I'm not mistaken. Got Arizona in Vegas to go to Kansas. A couple of uh, bullshit non-conference games to round out their non-conference schedule. Then January 5th. Big 10 season, full flex, got the Iowa Hawkeyes. Another big one. Another big one. Just getting the Big 10 season started. Iowa's no slouch. A lot of people thought the Big 10 was going to have a down year. Now, all of a sudden, they got nine teams in the top 33. That's a lot. This Purdue team looks good. That's hard to say. This Purdue team looks really, really good. I have said this before. I think the Gonzaga team that Purdue beat is down. And I don't think the Duke team that Purdue beat is that good. Duke's not Duke anymore. Coach K's gone. You may still have Coach K, guys. And Duke will be a, a cakewalk to recruit at for, for a while. But Coach K's not there. Coach K's impact of not being there anymore will be felt. That Duke team's down. This Gonzaga team, not that good. Don't feel like they're that good. Purdue got them 84-66. That's an 18-point win. Turn around and beat Duke by 19. Uh, what was that? Uh, two nights later. 
Rolled over West Virginia. Struggled a little bit with Marquette. I think Marquette's pretty good, though. Let's look at this Gonzaga team, what they got coming up. Because they're going to get to a place where their schedule goes really soft because of the conference they're in. We got Baylor tomorrow. See how that goes. They did beat Xavier by four. Got Baylor, number six ranked Baylor. Got Kent State, uh, Washington, Northern Illinois. Got to meet up with Alabama on the 17th. Uh, the Montana Grizz, Eastern Oregon, Pepperdine. You know, now we're into conference play. So, this Gonzaga team, I, the hard part about them is once they get into conference play, they dominate their conference. They're that much better than everybody, mostly in their conference. So, if you get them to the conference schedule, ranked in the top 15 or wherever, they're going to stay there. And they're going to be overrated. And people are going to look at them as a, as a formidable monster, which is what got Purdue catapulted to number five in the country. I'm not buying it. That's one thing I'm not buying for this year is that Gonzaga is some kind of monster. They're just not. I'm not taking anything away from Purdue. But Purdue beat him by 18. They clearly weren't worried about taking down Goliath. Purdue coasted through that game. I want to see how good this Purdue team is. I got a feeling we're going to see it real soon because, uh, you know, the Big Ten, like I said, no slouch. No slouch. Purdue's got Nebraska to start. Got a, what, they got Minnesota. They got Minnesota Sunday. Hofstra Wednesday, Nebraska next Saturday. Davidson, New Orleans, Florida A&M. Then they start their Big Ten season. At home against or start their their full Big Ten season at home against Rutgers. So the Big Ten's no slouch. And you can you can tell just by how much the rankings have changed in favor of the Big Ten. Started off with what? Indiana and Illinois were the ranked teams. Now you got Purdue five, Indiana ten, Illinois sixteen, Michigan State twenty, Maryland twenty-two, Ohio State twenty-five. Then Iowa, Michigan, and Wisconsin help round out the top 33. That's nine teams, boys. It's going to be a good year. Going to be a good year, good Big Ten basketball. I was really happy to see Indiana go get that win because that win against North Carolina seems like something that has eluded them for being able to do over the years. Just you get that big game. It's at Assembly Hall and then you blow it, or you get that big game on a neutral core, whatever it is, that first big game for Indiana when you're excited, they're undefeated because their non-conference schedule up to this point has been weak. But everybody knows they're supposed to be good. You got Trace, you got X, you got good freshmen. You're supposed to be good. This is Indiana's year to make a run. And you get to that first big game, and they lose, especially to a team like North Carolina. That did not happen last night. 12-point win, Hoosiers. Well done. Big old fan of that. Big old fan of that. Ready to see what this Indiana basketball team is fully capable of. Cannot wait. Can't wait. <clears throat> and again, I would be uh I would be remiss if I didn't talk about the Big Ten championship game, even though I think if Purdue were heavily favored in this game, it would be harder for me to talk about. But they're not. They're actually 
heavy underdogs. Still minus 16 and a half for Michigan. Um, that's a hard number to bet in the championship game. Purdue's going to come out motivated. They probably feel like they're not supposed to be there. PFI says Michigan's 89% to win. Purdue 11% to lose or to win. So odds stacked heavily against them. Game stacked heavily against them. O'Connell's had a pretty good year. 3,124 yards, 22 tuds. Walk on. Maccabee, another walk on. Purdue's back. 165 carries, 849 yards. Reached the end zone eight times. No Blake Corum, dude. Blake Corum's a stud. 247 carries, 1,453 yards. He's reached the end zone 18 times. That guy's a stud. Okay, that guy's a stud. McCarthy's playing well. Only thrown two picks all year. This going to be this Michigan team's going to be tough. They're going to be tough out for anybody. Ohio State learned that the hard way. I also want to note that I did pick the college football playoff standings correctly. I want to note that I did do that. Because you know, a lot of people thought I guess everybody kind of thinks Alabama's just a shoe in. They're not. But already, of course, who's the highest ranked two loss team? Alabama. Who's right below them? Tennessee. Tennessee is right below Alabama, which makes no sense because I remember when that field goal post ended up in the Tennessee River. Okay? I remember that night. So I don't understand, and I've said this for a long time, and I don't mean to shit on anybody, but ESPN kind of whacks Alabama, really the entire SEC, ESPN in charge of the college football rankings. Uh, they are in charge of the whole playoff system, which I think is also fucked. But uh, Ohio State drops to number five, Alabama number six. I called that one. Of course, it wasn't a hard call. I'm not going to sit here and pretend I'm some kind of wizard. Obviously, if I were a wizard, I'd have a better year betting. Georgia, number one, Michigan, number two, TCU, number three, USC. Rounding out that top four, we're going to get a Pac-10 team in the playoff this year. Pac-10, Big 12, Big 10, SEC, four conferences in the playoff. No ACC team. That's only weird because Clemson's always good, and they're always right there, but they're down at number nine. They're looking up at Penn State, Tennessee, Alabama, and Ohio State. So you talk about scenarios that could push, that could really, really kind of push things, you know, because everybody, every good team has to play uh, a conference championship game, you know. So it's that that game at the end of the year where it's like shit, you know, we've got this one very, very difficult game that we have to go win. And, and it's it's about our spot in the title now in, in, in the playoff. Now, Michigan, I think Michigan's got a pretty easy road. And I think Georgia, I'm not, I'm not, again, I'm not trying to shit on Purdue. I know I, I, I do that a lot, but I just, Michigan's that much better than Purdue. Purdue has a chance though. From a betting standpoint, like I said, plus 16 and a half, that's a whole big number. That's a big fucking number for a championship game. But you look at Georgia and LSU, now that's Georgia. Now, their heads and tails better than everybody in college football. I've said that all year. They just are. But LSU's number 11 in the country. They're no slouch. So LSU could give Georgia fits. 
Don't know that they will. But LSU definitely capable of giving people fits. They're always they're always around. Even when Joe Burrow's graduated, they're always around. We're gonna give these uh these odds here. Look, see, got the LSU and Georgia bigger number than the Big Ten title game, which is really surprising to me. Georgia minus seventeen and a half against LSU. So that's a big number. Michigan still minus 16 and a half. Got uh, Clemson and North Carolina, the ACC championship game. Probably doesn't have a whole lot of playoff implications. Clemson's down there at number nine in those standings. Trying to find the old uh, betting odds on that thing. There it is right there. Clemson's seven and a half point favorite. So big 12 championship game. And here's what, here's what will upset some people. Kansas state has been that team that can beat anybody. They can beat anybody. They are minus, or sorry, Kansas State plus two and a half. TCU, only two and a half point favorites. So there's TCU, a team that right now is in the college football playoff. 12-0 and 0 unbeaten. Two and a half point favorites. Kansas State, Big 12 championship game. Let's give this uh let's give their last matchup a look see. TCU wins it by 10, 38-28 back in October. TCU's always been that kind of borderline team, right? Like everybody's questioning, are they good or are they not? They're 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 12 and 0 in the Big 12. Big 12's got some pretty good programs, not what it used to be. They dominated Oklahoma. Looking back through their schedule, 10-point win against West Virginia, beat Texas by seven. They just dominated Iowa State last week. That's Iowa State. Um, close one against Baylor. There's a one-point win against an unranked Baylor. Kansas State's got an opportunity here. Now, if Kansas State gets a win, let's, let's look at that. Kansas State down there at 10th in the college football playoff standings. I don't think there's any way they climb into the playoff. But here's the problem now. Now you've got, like, if, if one of these teams loses, one of these teams takes an L. Let's go backwards here. U, USC's got Utah. We're just going to go ahead and look at all four of them. USC only a two-and-a-half-point favorite. So Utah and Kansas State, if they both upset, Alabama's going to this fucking playoff when it should be Tennessee. Luck can still happen here. There's a lot of scenarios. Like I said, TCU and USC, undefeated program. Well, USC is a one-loss team. But programs that, you know, these are going to be tough games. These are championship games. You're two-and-a-half-point favorites, which basically means it's a pick em, and we're going to give you the advantage because you're the higher-ranked team. Saturday is going to be bumping. Saturday is going to be bumping. I'm wow. Wow. Actually, USC plays tomorrow night at eight o'clock. That's a big one. Pac 12 championship game, USC and Utah tomorrow, eight o'clock PM Saturday, Kansas state and Texas Christian play at 12 LSU and Georgia at four Clemson, North Carolina at eight Purdue and Michigan at eight. 
That's going to be good. That's going to be real good. Saturday's looking good already. Championship day, a lot of play. It's fun when there's playoff implications. You know what I mean? Like to this magnitude, a lot of people are going to be pissed off if Alabama gets into the playoff. Because they always do that. They sneak their way in. And what, what makes me mad about that is you got a 10 and 2 Tennessee, a two loss Tennessee, and a two loss Alabama, and Tennessee sitting here ranked a spot below the Alabama team they beat, the same Alabama team they beat. I don't like it. But it's what I was talking about earlier. Same thing that goes with teams like Gonzaga. Same thing that goes with, with teams like Duke. In, in college basketball, the names on the universities carry so much weight in the respective sport. It's unreal. It's unreal. You got to think this all starts with a preseason ranking. We've ranked these teams preseason pretty much sight unseen. I mean, we've done scouting. We've seen exhibitions, this and that, but they're ranked preseason. Where you start largely determines your road to the top. Now, I will say I was very proud, and I again, Purdue, but like they went from 24th to 5th with two big wins. That was cool. It was cool to see the pollsters instead of, you know, doing everybody on this slow climb like you got to do. They looked at Purdue and they said, that's the fifth best team in the country. Now, I don't know how they didn't take in the obvious factors. Because the two big wins they're looking at is Gonzaga and Duke. And again, both teams down, not, the, not what they were. Don't care what anybody says. These college football playoff rankings, I hate that there's so many hands involved. I hate that it's something that is randomly selected by it, be it computer or be it human. There's hands involved. And you know what hands want? Hands want matchups. And right now, I'm looking at Michigan and Texas Christian. A lot of Michigan fans around the country. But let me ask you this question. If you're, if you're trying to create an exciting playoff environment that you want as many people as possible to watch, are you taking TCU or Ohio State? Or Alabama? And I know the answer. So what makes me mad about this setup is people are waiting on Texas Christian to make one big fatal mistake. Because keep in mind, you can lose. This is supposedly a a formula. So people are waiting on Texas Christian to make one fatal mistake. One fatal flaw. They'll do an old switcheroo. And guess what? Now more people are watching the playoff. Now more people see our fucking Dr. Pepper commercial. <laughs> I'm actually just recording a podcast. Thanks for uh, noticing, though. I do it live for fun. Gives me an element. Also, you're on Twitch. I don't have a lot of Twitch followers. I don't really talk. I don't know. Thanks for stopping in, though. Appreciate that. fuck was I saying? I looked up, there was a comment. There's usually not comments, okay? It's almost noon where I am. Nobody gives a fuck. 
And people watching on Facebook, but they're not commenting. They're not saying shit. But uh, yeah, recording the Sean B show. You want uh, I I maybe call it third or fourth rate, third or fourth rate uh, podcast content from a sports perspective. Yeah, that's what I would do. Third or fourth rate, <laughs> rate. Not a lot of followers. Probably see why. Anyway, thanks, man. So who are you watching? You watching TCU? You watching Ohio State or Alabama? I know the answer to that. They want, they want eyes wide. They paid billions for this. Texas Christian, great football school, a little tradition there, but not not a, not a not a nationwide fan base like an Alabama or Ohio State has. I got Ohio State fans that I know that I talk to almost daily. Same with Alabama fans. Same with Michigan fans. Same with Georgia fans. USC, not so much. TCU, definitely not. It's a Roo. They do want the best football. It's a Roo. What's the boner report? I do not. <laughs> Good times. I uh so for those listening on the podcast, I have a I have a guy commenting on, on Twitch uh asking for the boner report. And uh Honestly, right now I don't have one. I did earlier, but uh, actually I got to go back and I was look. I was watching a YouTube video with uh, with uh, Prince William and uh, that kind of gave me a boner until Megan showed up. It's whatever though. Not Megan. Fuck. I fucked up my own joke. I meant Harry too because obviously Harry's the cool one. William's the guy that's going to be king, and Harry's like the fucking degenerate little brother that's like, I want to be king, kind of, but instead I'm just going to eat Cheetos and fucking party. <laughs> I got to go. I got to get the fuck out of here. Guys, it's been the Sean B. Show. You can listen on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, or that's just those three. Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, where we are on the podcast. If you're listening on the podcast, we're live on Twitch at Twitch TV slash Second String Media or on Facebook at the Sean B Show, YouTube at the Sean B Show, and Twitter at Sean B Show. That's where we are. That's where it goes. Till next time, guys. Big game tonight. Bills, Patriots. I'm betting Bills. Go Bills. USA, Netherlands on Saturday. So much is going to happen between now and Sunday morning when we talk. I, I don't want to do it. But Sunday, I'm going to have to talk about the Colts a little more. It's not fair. It's just not fucking fair. This has been the Sean B. Show, guys. I'm out of here. Thank you so much.